So welcome Salud. to Permitted with Conditions. I'm David Toyer, President of Toyer Strategic Advisors and your host for today's episode of Permitted with Conditions, a blog about zoning and economic development. If you've caught previous episodes of our podcast, you've heard us address topics such as zoning, parking, comprehensive planning, small town economic development strategies, and more. And today's episode is going to be a little bit different, but it's just as important. We're going to talk about education, because in my opinion, uh, in the work that I do, education is one of the foundational components of successful economic development and entrepreneurism in communities. And from a local business community perspective, it probably doesn't receive nearly enough attention and focus as it should. So joining me on the podcast today is a very special guest, someone I've known for a number of years now, Laura Williams. She's the author of the forthcoming book, The Improvement Game, Exploring Education Through Passion, Agility, and Authentic Learning Experiences. I've had the opportunity to work with Laura in my capacity as an economic developer in Iowa. And as again, after I launched my company, uh, Toyer Strategic Advisors, and even after I moved it uh, to the greater Seattle area. So Laura, welcome to the podcast. Great to see you again. Can you give us just awesome. a brief introduction about yourself and your work and some of your experience? Absolutely. Thank you, David, for having me and happy to spread the good message and Kool-Aid of the improvement game. So I'm Laura Williams. I'm a 21st century learning specialist. I currently work at the Iowa Area Education Agencies. I support... Well, I support school districts with authentic learning experiences in the sense of working with community partnerships. So how do you engage in that work? Some people will call it work-based learning. I like to think of it as a blend of work-based learning and project-based learning. So how do you bring in sort of work-based learning, but into your general education programming? So like in math and science and literacy, like how do you tie those together to something authentic and meaningful for kids. It's kind of the crux of the work. I first met you when you were working at the Area Education Association uh, in Southeast Iowa, Burlington area, and you were leading that agency's 21st century classroom program. And so for those that aren't familiar with Iowa and the AEA's programs and the services they provide, can you kind of explain a little bit about the role of AEA and how it works with school districts in those regions within Iowa? Yeah. So the AEAs are kind of a, uh, they're a public entity. They support school districts with a wide variety of services. It's unique because there are sort of nine regional AEAs that kind of work together as a system, as a network. And there's a wide variety of services for primarily special education. We have people that are occupational therapists, speech language pathologists, people like me who are consultants. So I started out in the AEAs as a uh, science and technology consultant. So helping teachers learn the new next generation science standards and doing professional learning around that. Moving into that 21st century specialist, helping schools to redesign the learning environment. So a wide range of expertise is housed within the area education agencies. And so the day in the life looks a little bit different for everyone, but ultimately our goal and our passion is to support kids. That's awesome. And my experience, it's probably more limited than most, is that you know, where I've seen AEAs be successful is in that kind of reimagining the classroom and bringing in the new standards. And so I want to, you know, throw it out there that, you know, at least my outsider's opinion is it's kind of like the innovation organization that's really bringing the more innovative elements of education back to it actually than, you know, being taught. And so I think it, it plays a really integral role and, you know, giving kids a different classroom experience. And, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but this work-based learning or what 
I know you and I like to call authentic learning, giving these young students the opportunity to see more about uh, their, their, the opportunities that they might have in their own communities. But having been in education for several years now, uh, what do you see as some of the most fundamental changes in the K through 12 education system? And as you've done the 21st uh, century learning uh, consulting. What do you see as some of the, the the innovations that have come along with that? Yeah, I mean, I think we've been talking about like school needs to change for quite some time. I know that I've been kind of banging that drum for some time too, even as a consultant. Like, how do we have these constraints? You know, we have all these students, and we only have so much time. And so, how do we improve their lives and and connect them to things that are important to them and hopefully lead to successful lives is the big lift in education, you know, because obviously kids walk into your classroom with different dispositions, different experiences, uh, different opportunities. And so, how can school sort of level that, you know, level the field for them to have opportunities? And so, I think the innovation and the transformation really in lies with those opportunities, those experiences. And so I guess that where I sort of rally or like carry the banner is like, how do we get more of these opportunities into the classroom so that kids can see what they are interested in, equally what they are not interested in, and then, you know, see the potential in themselves. I think a lot of times, you know, often you hear kids falling through the cracks or like, you know, they don't have a good home life and, and apples don't fall far from trees and we don't, you know, there's no hope, right? But like, I think through authentic learning, you actually do inspire hope and connections that are incredibly important and powerful for young people to, to make those connections, have those men that can change trajectories. And so I think the most innovative thing we can do is sort of break the silos, think about value beyond the classroom and connect the dots for students, and then ultimately make a win-win. Like this is giving back to your communities. Students can start to be creative and think about entrepreneurialism. Like they can think about like, hey, I, I could own a business. I could do this, or I could contribute back to my community. Or maybe they find a local business they want to work for. And I think that I think that that's what it's about is, you know, it's not about the test scores. It's about finding their potential and contributing back to their own lives, their families, their communities. So I think that's where the that's where I believe the work is. But there's lots of ways to attack the problem that the problems and challenges we see in school. But that is the sort of one way that I've been approaching it and others doing the work as well. Yeah, I think that is fantastic because I, I remember you know, my education uh, as a youngster. And I would always like, why do I got to learn this? Like, what am I ever going to do that I'm going to, I'm going to need this. And it wasn't, you know, I look back, I know things now, you know, from my, my business experience, like, you know, value proposition, you know, you, you don't understand that as a kid, but if I would have understood it as a kid, my question would have been, what is the value proposition of me learning the process of learning? Right. Because that's, I mean, you, I, I think it's hard to just, share with the young folks like, well, this may not be, you know, something that's daily practical and what you do in your life. Uh, but, you know, it's part of learning the process of learning. That's not really like, I don't know, to me, it's not a statement that enlists a bunch of energy from, from or, or, or really brings out somebody's passion <laughs> for what it is that they want to do. And so I think that this notion of giving people the opportunity to explore when they're at that age, some of the the pathways they may be able to take with business and careers beyond just taking a test that tells them like you are interested in gardening. Well, awesome. How do I make a living <laughs> yeah. gardening? Um, right. You know, I've, I've, I've got a child at home and, you know, he took one of those things and it told him he should think about this. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm 
I'm interested in that. So then we, you know, looked up and uh, a little bit more and he's like, yeah, it might be a really good side hustle when I'm older, but it's not a living, you know? Yeah. So th- th- there's those elements of things. So I really think that this learning stuff is, is super helpful and amazing. And I know really where I was connecting with you first, I had just kind of come back from uh, touring and visiting the Iowa Big Program, uh, which is an authentic learning uh, type program up in Cedar Rapids. And really, it, it, you know, I was impressed by how they get the students out of the traditional classroom. They're literally working in like a business incubator uh, type facility, uh, and they're working on public and private sector uh, par- partner projects, you know, designing things like common spaces in new schools, uh, almost like they're interior designers. They're, you know, they were redoing how people look at the how they lay out their warehouses and their racking and what's going to be most efficient it was eye-opening to me watching that learning from that uh, and just seeing what the students were getting out of it in values because it was still connecting the students to the common core ish requirements that they have to have and then at that same time you know getting uh, the opportunity to to work with you on things in southeast iowa and you were uh, kicking off this uh, authentic learning program called iLead. Can you maybe provide a little bit more uh, detail for our listeners about what authentic learning is uh, and what really drew you to authentic learning? As it, you, you, you've got a lot of passion, I know, from my, my work experience <laughs> with you. So, you know, what what's drawn you in? What drew you to keep pushing this this forward as, as such a great opportunity. Yeah, I think like you, I was also very inspired by Iowa Big and the things that they were doing with students and being a consultant in and serving a lot of rural schools. It was that idea of like, I want this for our kids too. Like I want, um, you know, in metro areas, you have quite a few businesses that engage and how do we get that same kind of like feeling and vibe in a, in a smaller community or how do we leverage partnerships across the region to bring about experiences for kids? And so, yeah, I was a hundred percent inspired by that. And, you know, being a 21st century learning specialist, part of that is, well, how do you develop those 21st century skills in students? And I can tell you that doing, you know, worksheets and, you know, reading text pages 10 through 15 and answering the questions at the end, you know, that that's a start of like understanding knowledge. Right. But like, how do you develop skills? And so what I love about authentic learning and to give the listeners kind of a a better understanding of that authentic learning to me is, is, is really like a way to engage in development of those 21st century skills. And you do that through a project. And I'm going to say, we're moving from a simulated experience into more of a, a real experience. So just to give an example, a, a local business has a, a real problem of practice and students are doing research. So real research around the, the problem and trying to figure out solutions to pitch back to that partner. And I'll use the Iowa big one just because that was one of the first ones that I was like, oh, this would be so wonderful in a science classroom. They were working with a, an area business. I don't remember which one, but they were essentially wanting to know where the heat loss was ha- happening in their building. So they wanted more efficiency, you know, energy use and, you know, making sure they're not losing that heat. And so my brain's like, oh, heat transfer. And like, 
like, like this is very fascinating. And so they used a drone with a heat sensing camera to see like where the hot spots on the, the roof and the building and like doing an analysis of that. And that's like a real problem, right? And like these students were doing real research and investigating and coming up with not only the mechanism to figure out like, well, how do we figure this out? But then also, you know, generating a report to that business partner of like things they can do to improve their energy efficiency. Like kids were doing that. That's awesome. That's real. They know it's important. They see that value in what they're doing. And so authentic learning can look like that. It can look like even doing a lot of times businesses that I work with often need help with like their social media. Well, who better to help them than the this the children that were raised in the, you know, time of the uprising of social media and like creating content and the influencer, you know, time of our of our life. Like this is how we communicate now. And so having kids generate, you know, social media campaigns and giving feedback and creating videos and content to really provide value for that business while learning skills like communication, like writing those professional emails, getting feedback and and then improving their deliverable. All that's part of an authentic learning experience or project. And so I think that's why I really love it is that it's the vehicle to develop those skills. A lot of people call them like durable skills. That's a popular word right now. Like what are those durable skills that will help them beyond just school? Like it'll help them in school, but it'll help them beyond. And so I think it's really important work. And if you can, gosh, if you can hit the standards, like what the state sets out as part of like what you're supposed to be teaching students, but if you can do it in such a way that they're exploring the world around them and the people around them and how that works to add value beyond school, like I am all for that. So yeah, it could look like a lot of different things. And again, like what really drew me in was how do we get, how do we streamline that and get more of these opportunities for urban and non-urban students? Yeah. I mean, I look at it, you know, you even talk about soft skills, right? People that are self-motivated, people that can keep themselves on a task to be able to complete a project. There, there's all of those elements of what these kids are exposed to through authentic learning that, you know, we hear from, like, when I do economic development work with communities and we, we hear from employers, like, you know, what are their needs and their employees? Well, we need people that can be punctual. We need people that can, you know, they're checking in, they're asking questions, they're doing, you know, these different things. Those are all things that you're getting exposure to in that authentic learning environment. And that's a different type of career training or a different type of exposure to the job market than just going to work at somewhere and being a stock person at the grocery store, you know, for right. maybe a few hours a week. It's really giving students that it's connecting what they're learning in the classroom with with how it can work in, in the world. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I mean, Iowa Big just had me sold from like, you know, 10 minutes into taking the tour and, and looking at what they had and then working, you know, with you and coming down to, to your, uh, you know, a couple of your classes, you know, during, during my tenure in Burlington and, and getting to work with those students. That was just incredible experience. I've actually taken a lot of those things back to my own business. So as we uh, operate an interns program uh, and work with interns, you know, some of them are graduates of, of high school that haven't gone to college yet. Some of them are in college but really like looking at how can we engage them and not only helping our business uh, in a particular area, but how can we pass on some things to them that help them grow in their educational process, but also explore like what they want to do with their careers. And so I think, you know, those opportunities you're creating uh, in a 21st century learning specialist 
position is is really incredible. So you know, we talked about this a little bit, but you know, Iowa is unique in this sense that it, it's doing this. I, I I've been you know we work in a number of states. I don't really see this happening in other states. I don't see it happening in my home area where I live now, up here in Washington. Uh, but you know, authentic learning, giving students this experience to these broad work experiences, and calling on students and student teams to be self-motivating. Kind of maybe the most important thing from an economic development perspective is it's an opportunity to show these students after graduation, especially in these rural areas, you know, what, as they continue their education or as they decide they don't want to, you know, go on to a, a like a two or a four-year degree, but maybe they want to learn a skill or they want to get into a, a, a trade, it's really giving them opportunities to look at what's around them and choose to stay closer to home or, choose to not feel like they have to move far away in order to be able to find a job. So it's been my impression that it's really a great program for workforce development and retention of generate, you know, graduating students and those sorts of things. Have you seen in your experience or have you heard from the di districts you work with, you know, how is the, the, the authentic learning programs maybe connecting students with these employers in a manner that, you know, Iowa talks about it a lot. You know, we send our students out to go to school somewhere and then they don't come back. Yeah. You know, what, what What have you seen? Yeah, I think so. In my opinion, it's almost like authentic learning in the classroom on these like authentic projects with area partners is kind of like a gateway to more exploration. So you think about like career pathways and this sort of continuum of engagement within those pathways. So you might try a project in your math class that leads you just to discover, oh, I really like that. And then maybe, you know, as you, you know, grow in the school system and maybe you're a junior or senior, you're like, you know, I really want to do an internship or I want to engage in an apprenticeship or a pre-apprenticeship program because you discovered you liked this thing and maybe you need some technical skills to, to get there. And so, like you said, maybe it's not about two year or four year, you know, higher education, but more it's like those technical or trade experiences. And so I think, and I'm going to be real honest, like, and I, you know, my perspective I never took a CTE class, which is wild because I'm like, oh, I love all of this. But I didn't, I was like, in my mind, you're going to a four-year college. And so you're going to take honors biology and you're going to do all these things. I never discovered within myself what an entrepreneur-like spirit I had because I never had those opportunities. And so just reflecting back, like how do you, some of those students that don't really know what they want to do, how do you give them the most wide variety of opportunities? And so I see those authentic learning experiences as part of the curriculum uh, as a way to do that. So it's really, like I said, it's kind of like the gateway of like, oh, I really like that or, oh, that's not for me. So it's kind of a lower risk way of engagement before you then you know, put your time and energy into going into an internship or a pre-apprenticeship or, or what have you in that sort of continuum of engagement. And then beyond that, a lot of employers, when they find a very, you know, passionate, like student intern, or if they're working with them in a training program, I mean, that leads to jobs and then that leads to sustainability. And then as you know, like word of mouth, like the more people that you can make aware of the opportunities your uh, business has, the more likely you will start to get more talent towards that. So I think when we do this, we are opening up awareness about what goes on in that building that I drive by every day. Like I know that I lived in Burlington, as you knew, and there were plenty of businesses. I never knew what went on in there until 
I started connecting employers to students. And then I started to authentically learn as well. Like even in that role, you know, what is, what is a switch gear? Like, how do you manufacture switch gear? Like that was a really cool moment of like, oh, I've driven by this buildings, you know, my whole life. And I knew nothing about what was going on in there. So it's just kind of like opening up the awareness of those opportunities as well. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you that the going and touring facilities, you know, you just see big buildings oftentimes as an economic developer. That was one of the funnest parts of my job was to go in and see what are they making here and how are they doing it? Um, it, it was just, it was fascinating, but you had the opportunity. Uh, we'll talk a little bit kind of how, how your roles have changed over time. But, I, you know, I worked with you when you were at the AEA in, in Burlington. You were able to, to take I uh, and take it to a broader scale level and kind of move in and transition into a newer role. And now you've got the, the you know, the larger program. What is it? The Iowa Authentic Learning Network, I think it's called, if I'm being correct. Yep. That. But you've got now this learning network and it's not just the regional thing. You know, like Iowa Big was Cedar Rapids area. You had what you were doing in Southeast Iowa. Tell me a little bit about the the transition and taking iLead to being a statewide program. And then what, what did you learn along the way in developing that into really a statewide program? Yeah, I would say definitely grassroots. Like this was a grassroots movement in supporting educators with authentic learning. And it really did start with iLead to show like this can be done. Look what we're doing. And you were a big component of that. I'm going to, there's a whole story I will unpack for the listeners on like what you did to really accelerate that, but, but it takes partners. So I worked in the Southeast Iowa AEA, which is called Great Prairie. And then I partnered with another uh, passionate woman named Stephanie Lane out of Green Hills AEA. So we were like the Queens of the South, we used to joke, but she loved this kind of learning as well. And so she had a school that was like, yes, we want to do that too. So she kind of had her school that she was like, almost like prototyping, like, let's give it a try. Let's take some risks. Let's do some projects with students. And she had a teacher that was like, yes, let's do that. And then we had I lead in Southeast Iowa. And so we were like walking side by side, learning and sharing and like telling the stories. And then, you know, that took, we, we continued to share our story about the work. And so we had opportunities to share at conferences as well, like just to get the word out. And then I would say the big, the, the big, a transition moment when this really like blew up and like we realized we were onto something was when so we in southeast iowa and this was because of your help and connections partnerships matter right guys no, networking is really important meeting with other partners in the region to tell them that hey we have this we want to expand it to be more regional and like not just one school one program like how do we have like a pool of projects that when i'm consulting with other schools i can say hey that this would really fit this what you're trying to do here in your math or science, or even in your, if, you know, extracurricular programming or career and technical education programming, wherever, because it's so versatile, it can fit in so many places. And so having that as like, almost like a tool in my toolkit as a consultant was really helpful. So we developed, if I remember correctly, I think you helped me onboard. I think we were up to like 28 projects just with a Google form. We were like, Hey, fill this project in, you know, form out and, and we'll try to get you placed with a school. And many of the I lead students took on those projects as our initial like takeoff. And then we started to share this, you know, with others. And then I remember it was at a, they called it STEM PD Palooza, where one of the partners, Danville Telecom came with to like share this immersion project about building a high speed fiber optic network in a rural area. Like that is something that we were trying to do at the time. How do we do that for to get the most amount of people connected 
and, you know, save money as we do that. So it became kind of this math problem, right? Like to design this network. And so students were working on that in the iLead program. And then we modeled it at a statewide professional development opportunity for other teachers through the governor's STEM council. And so I remember doing that immersion with several teachers across the state and talking about authentic learning and how we started this network in Southeast and Southwest Iowa. And so then we started onboarding more like followers of this like Kool-Aid. And then I remember Dr. Jeff Weld was like, tell me more about this. Like you guys have like a project pool or, you know, like, tell me more about that. Can this be, could this be scaled? And I'm like, well, yes, it can be scaled. And so, you know, shared with him that work. There was other platforms at the time that were like digital project boards. I think the one I really liked was uh, SciStarter. So props to them on being a good model, but they have this like citizen science where you can scale and streamline projects across the globe. And I'm like, that's cool. Could we do that in Iowa with local businesses? with projects. And so that was the predecessor, that conversation to one of our state's future ready initiatives to have this thing called a clearinghouse for work-based learning. So that is kind of the, one of the drivers of this authentic learning network to make it a statewide uh, network. Like we have this statewide support. We now have this network to connect teachers to this uh, tool, a platform, and we've just been growing ever since. So that was 2019 when the board first, the, the digital project board first launched. So we've been growing and still growing and we had a pandemic in there, but we are still growing. Yeah. I think that's great because, and I want to make sure I understand this right, but you, you when you have students in schools that are looking at that project board, they may be in one part of Iowa and the project may be in another part of Iowa and it, it can still work out. And I think that is an incredible opportunity for students because it gives them a sense of, you know, how big is the world, right? And when when they go work in a work environment, if they, they are in some of those kinds of fields, they're, they're probably going to be working with other locations of that, that business has, other employee uh you know, that are not located at the, the site where they're located. I think the ability for them to learn how to communicate, collaborate, and create in a common way without being in the same location is really a fantastic, you know, skill for these students to learn, especially with what we've seen, you know, I mean, this is obviously happening before the pandemic, but then with what's happened in the pandemic with work from home and how businesses, companies, communities are connecting uh, online more and more in, in teams and work environments and collaborations, it seems to me like this This has really been kind of tracking very well the kind of just the circumstance of what, what's happened in life for all of us. But giving students this opportunity to experience it really when they, it can help shape their careers and how they look about look at their futures. So that really incredible story about how uh, that's taken off. It was really fun to be a part of, of the beginning of, of that stuff and make some contributions along the way. Uh, it was a blast. Have you seen, is there any like one success story in particular, maybe a, a student that was in one of the projects that, that you're aware of, or maybe it was a, a, you know, how, how a project, how well a project went for a business. Is there a particular success story that maybe you land on oftentimes when, when talking with potential other partners uh, for these, this, this program that you go, look, this is, like, if this works out well, this is, this, this is an example of, of how that working out well looks like. Oh yeah. My brain is like, oh, I have so many stories. Like which one should I start with? I think the one that you always remember your first like group of students. And so I'm really like partial to that first cohort of the I lead students just because they were the first and we were all kind of learning as we went. What I loved about that group was 
because it was new, we were trying lots of new things. And so one of the things we implemented in that first group was agile scrum project management training. And so seeing kids use a project management framework to actualize their projects, that in itself to me was a huge success. And that would paint a picture for the support we gave schools beyond that. But that group, I'm just thinking through like going through that process, learning how to collaborate and communicate on those local projects really developed the child. And that's why I'm going to pick out, I won't say her name, but there was a student that very sweet, very quiet. She found passion in working with a community entity in Danville for the Anne Frank Museum. And so they had a project called the Danville Rail Car, and they were raising money to bring a rail car from World War II to Danville, Iowa, as part of this Anne Frank Museum. And really neat to have that in Southeastern Iowa. Like most people are like, oh, I didn't even know that that's there. And so they got really passionate about that. And so they created, their project was to create some marketing around it to help raise funds for the project. That project was selected to be shared at a statewide Future Ready Summit. And those kids on that project got to even tell the governor about it. And so it's it was just kind of a neat like they got to share their story and they're from rural like if you look up Danville, it is a very small town. And like the fact that they, you know, had that opportunity to travel to the capital to share their story and to make impact in their community was really powerful. That that one is probably my go-to and the fact that this child then could then speak in public. Like she was the most meek, quiet little thing. And then, you know, here she is like at the statewide summit, like talking to people and networking. And that was just, for me, that was success. And so that's probably my go-to story a lot of the time. But we've had other success stories. I know in... So Atumwa uh, Spark Tank, at the time, I don't know if they've changed the name. They've had a sort of a career hub there now, but they worked with local entities to help design logos that the companies actually use, like are using, which is wonderful because sometimes you... You have this project and the kids try and like they learn a lot, but maybe the deliverable isn't quite where the partner wants it. But it's always really cool to say like, hey, I designed that and like they're really using it. So I love those kind of stories as well, like those real authentic contributions to those partnerships. So kids know like I did that. I was a part of that. But just a a couple, there's more I could go on. But if you go to the Clearinghouse website, we have a whole a page of success stories and video vignettes of hearing the student, the teacher, and the partner's perspective about those success stories. The one, actually, this one's gotten a lot of traction is the uh, Solon chicken cabins. So like an area feed mill wanted to sell chicken cabins, essentially, like to, as a product. And so students in a trades class designed and built them and sold them, which was cool too. So like already you're starting to get into the, there's ag, there's, you know, business, like a whole bunch of learning went on in that project. But yeah, tons of stories. If you, even if you just Google Iowa Clearinghouse for Work-Based Learning, you'll find that website and there's a tab that says success stories and tons of stuff on there to learn more about what it could look like. Yeah. And I will just say what I think is cool is that, you know, we, we had member of the family that was going through getting a, a master's degree at uh, University of Iowa in business. And, you know, their class was, were, were doing these projects where they'd have a business and they're working through a real life, you know, real world situation. And they're advising the business on some change they could make or how to launch a new product to market. And knowing that, and then seeing what these kids are doing in these I lead, you know, 
uh, type projects, this authentic learning experience, they're really getting, maybe at a little smaller scale, they're getting a lot of that same education that they might otherwise have to go through, you know, be in their fifth or sixth year of a college education to have that kind of exposure to how it really works. I can imagine what that does to help accelerate people's thinking of what's possible uh, in their lives. You know, it's just, it's got to be just incredibly meaningful for the student. And yeah, having seen it, having heard a lot of the success stories over the years that have happened in many places, I'm just hugely sold on this value of authentic learning. So for those, you know, we have an audience that's that's broader than Iowa out here in Washington State with with Toyer Strategic. Yeah, we're gonna have some listeners that are gonna tune in. They're gonna be from school districts that you know they don't know what an AEA is. They they may be like some people I talked to. I tell them I lived in Iowa for a while, and somehow it comes up the conversation a little later on. Oh, so you were you were from Ohio? And it's like no no Ohio. Iowa. So but but to to oh, yeah. kind of just you know uh, help maybe some of the other folks that ha- don't have any exposure perhaps to this understand. Like, how does it work? Like how, how you know, and it, it maybe just a real quick overview, like how, how does one of these programs kind of as it starts works to get started uh, in, in the process? And how does that fit in? Like, I'm sure the, the biggest question like a school district might have is, well, we have these, these, these standards we have to teach to. We have like, we have to show they've had three touches of this to check that off the list. And they have to show mastery in this thing to check that off the list as their requirements to be moving through things. How, how does some of that work? Because I think it's, in my mind, it's important because I think this this should be something districts everywhere are looking at. And, you know, I think maybe the biggest hurdle all the time is how, how to understand the integration of this type of learning into the regular classroom experience or into your, your regular format of your brick and mortar education system. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is the work. Like what you're asking about is literally the work that I do with schools. And so, I mean, I think the first component of all this is there has to be the desire like to want to do this. And I think that starts with leadership saying this is important and we need to prioritize it. And so having those conversations and then the next step would be engaging with community partners, much like you engaged with us on like this conversation of like, what could this be? What could it look like? And so I, and actually I write about it in the book of like how kind of in a, almost in a step-by-step, like here's how you could go about this to start getting this integrated, but having things like a community think tank where you invite students, teachers, and partners to have a conversation about what this could look like. Having lunch and learns, like inviting businesses back to the school so they can see kind of like the reality, even like serving school lunch, like that's a fun one, like to come back to school. I often hear business partners, they're yes people, like, yes, they want to engage. They know that this is important. It helps build their talent pipeline, but often don't know how to like approach a school. It's not like the place that they normally go to or like have, you know, conversations with. And so I think the very first thing in success is just to get the conversation started so teachers can understand the need and why it's important. And then same with businesses, they can see like what teachers are dealing with and like how they might might integrate this. And so once once you start getting that conversation going, you might have some initial project ideas. And so when I work with teachers, part of it is finding the right 
project that kind of fits the need. I believe standards will stand on their own, right? Like the, they will emerge within that experience. And so when it comes to things like assessment and the things that teachers have to navigate with this, I often lean towards evidence of student learning or artifacts. And so within a project, you're going to have benchmarks, products, deliverables, however you want to think of that as a, as sort of those checkpoints of assessment. So for example, you are in a English class and you need to, you're on a project where you're going to do a lot of communicating and writing emails to the business partner. So that could be like the first piece of evidence of learning. And maybe we're going to unpack that and make sure we're using the right grammar, or maybe we're doing some research for the business partner. And we're going to look at our research standards and make sure we're following through with the things that we're hopefully teaching students. So I think it's more of like, it's almost like throw like, Yes, we're going to have book work and we might have a few worksheets in there, but like, let's move some of those. Like, you can't do everything. You're going to have to take some of that off your plate and say, nope, this project matters more than this thing that we used to do. So we're going to take that off of our plate and we're going to look at the project and think about how can we examine our learning goals like through this project. That's kind of how I think about it anyways. And so we'll often like you can write write down like those big rock takeaways that you could see emerge from a project and then kind of unpack it. I love agile classrooms. It's sort of a, it's taking that agile project management framework, but applying it to the learning environment. And so you have things like a learning backlog. And so on your learning backlog, you might have your project kind of mapped out and some of those learning goals, you know, will be evident. And then if there are gaps, like, cause you can visually see this, you might say, okay, we are going to have just in time learning, or we're going to let's, you know, watch a video about this and have a, a class discussion or so you're, you're not like totally stopping those normal teacher moves that we've learned about <laughs> as we become teachers. It's kind of like this beautiful weaving it together so that the experience really comes alive. And then students see the need to like, oh, I know why we watch that video. Cause it's going to help me be successful in this piece of the deliverable for the project. And you can't do, I will say like, you know, you, you're not going to do projects, you know, every single day of the year, like you don't want burnout either. And so, you know, start small, maybe it's a, maybe it's a quarterly project. Maybe it's a get the semester going project. I, I would say start small and, and see what, see the return. And I think once you see like what kids are capable of, you're so excited about it and you're like, okay, what can we do next? Or what, can, what difference can we make in our communities next? Yeah. And that was really the thing that, I mean, got me energized about it was you'd walk into these and you'd be exposed to these students and the energy and, and drive that they have at, of interest level, you know, they're just sponging it all up um, and trying to get everything they can out of it. And, and I mean, that's, you know, it's impressive to see. I love when teachers say, like, when they start drinking this Kool-Aid and start implementing these kinds of experiences, I love when they tell me, like, yeah, like I, you know, the bell rang and I walked in and kids were already working on their projects. I didn't have to tell them anything. Like, they were, self, you know, they were making their own, they're autonomous. They were making their own decisions. They're talking to their teammates. They were working on their project backlogs. And like, that is like the, the sweet spot. Like that's where we're working towards. And we're going to help kids develop those skills to do that. And then hopefully the project is engaging, right? So that they they want to keep working on it. it because It's not homework anymore. It's passion that's driving them. Yeah. Yeah. I always think about when I hear, uh, 
you know, used to do a lot of, of business visits with different companies and stuff, and they'd always go workforce development front. It's well, all these young kids that show up now and, and take these jobs, and they don't have these skills, and they're not, you know, connected, and all they they have a lot of these complaints. There are common complaints. They're in Iowa. They're in Washington. They're in you know Arizona, yeah. and, and it. To me, like the other side of this is it's employers having the opportunity to see what's possible amongst that generation of future workforce and understanding how they can adjust their systems to, to maximize the strengths uh, of that crowd of, of individuals that, that have very different talents than like what I have, uh, you know, given what I've, my, my experience in life is. So I think there's a there's a big win for the community and the partners in there. Uh, that doesn't necessarily get emphasized enough. Just just you know, the, obviously the the best part of this is what the students get out of it. But there's other big effects, especially in rural communities when you 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 got a few you know maybe medium sized employers in town. That's you know this is this can be incredibly helpful. You mentioned agile classrooms, um, not something I have any experience with. Uh, but I know you're a uh, certified Scrum master and a certified Scrum product owner. Read that on your your bio. Oh, yes. Can you give just a little more detail? I mean, we'll, we'll probably have some teachers and stuff that tune into this. They might have exposure to this. But just for somebody else that might be listening to this podcast, what is Agile Classrooms, and, and what does it you know what does it bring different? To, to the classroom environment and teaching? For me, it was my big aha moment as an educator. It's it's how you operate, it's like how you operate your classroom. So like you have these sort of traditional operating systems that you probably, most listeners are like, can imagine how school works and you know what the teacher's role is and what the student's role is. And often in many classrooms still to this day, it's mostly, you know, the teacher's at the front of the classroom, students are in desks and lines and they're listening to the instructions and then they go forth and do whatever the task or, uh, you know, whatever the lesson is that day. And that's, and that's pretty typical. And I'm not saying good or bad, you know, I think there's great teachers implementing all sorts of things in different ways, right? Like that's the beauty of teaching. But what I have found is great success in in sort of almost like reprogramming, like what is that workflow and how and what does it look like in the classroom? And so again, it's taking the, it's taking what industry uses as a project management framework, and then taking some of those approaches. So this agile approach and bringing it into the classroom. So how can teachers be more agile in delivering value to students? So you start to kind of like think of teaching and learning in a little bit different way, um, much like businesses think about providing value to their customers. So we're going to think about providing value to students. And so what does that look like and how do we meet kids right where they're at? And so that's a hard, that's a challenge to do when you have, you know, limited time and a large group of students in one in one class period. And so what I love about Agile Classrooms is it makes learning visible. So kids will typically have like a project canvas or a learning canvas where they can visually see what they're working on, like to do, doing and done. I don't know if you've heard like scrum board or task board. I actually have, I don't know if I can like turn my computer enough, but I have kind of one on my wall right now. So like to do, doing and done is and sticky notes. And so like making it incredibly visible for students to start to learn how to manage their own time and to manage their own learning. And it'll look differently depending on grade level and, and, you know, content and things like that. There might be more scaffolding involved. So it might be very 
teachers helping to like populate that backlog of like, okay, we're going to work on this and this and this. But as kids get better at it, students can start to negotiate how they go about their own learning. So I think agile classrooms is like the predecessor to truly personalizing education. That's a buzzword educators might have heard, but how do you personalize education? So it's not like a one size fits all because we know that that's not true of our students. They're not all the they're not all the same. They don't come in with the same knowledge. They don't come in with the same skills. They're at varying levels. And so, how do you, as a one person, facilitate learning that fits everybody? And so, I like it because it gives you the tools to be able to to do that in a realistic way. And so, yeah. So, I would say in authentic learning, I use sort of that same approach. But I try to use, often I try to use what businesses call it. So a product backlog, having a sprint. So a sprint is a way, is that workflow, like in having a cadence in the classroom. So on Mondays, if you have a week-long sprint, project sprint, Mondays you're going to be planning. What are we going to get done this week? What do, What's feasible? Well, we're going to email this partner. We're going to start designing this in this program. We're going to have a meeting with the, the we need to plan a meeting with the school board because it affects the school, which is really cool when students get to meet with the school board to propose something to improve the school. Whatever the project is, you know, what are the, whatever those tasks, subtasks are, we're going to have a conversation, set some goals on Monday. We're going to populate our sprint backlog. Like this is what we're doing. I try to coach teachers to get granular with it just because I feel like it's helped me a lot when you get the task so refined that one person can claim ownership of it and they put their name on that sticky and you can use a digital sticky, like I use a tool called Miro. It's a virtual whiteboard that's really awesome for this work. Or what I have found to be most successful is a physical sticky board, like using those post-it notes, something about not being in their computers and distracted, having it right in front of them to like move the stickies so that I, the teacher, can see where they're at in the process. And then if they're having any roadblocks or impediments, when I kind of come around and check in, I can say, hey, Susie, why is this still in the to-do column? You know, what's, why has this not been moved to done? Like, what's the hang up or can I help you or be an impediment crusher as your teacher facilitating this? And so, yeah, so then they have that. It's very visual. They plan on Monday. They start doing their tasks, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe on Friday, we've set up a time to do a review of the work. So the review is the quality of what they're producing or developing. So like, let's look at that email as a team and like, let's check your grammar. Let's give feedback on whatever you've created. And maybe there, maybe we have to set some goals to improve that for the next sprint, or maybe it's really good and we can move forward. And then finally, the last piece of that workflow is the retrospective which I think is super game-changing in education. I don't think we give enough time for the, for the improvement component, especially when working with people. So the retrospective is a, is a chance for the student to reflect back on, well, how did I do as a teammate? How did I work as an individual? What could I do to improve process? Maybe I forgot to communicate something and like we can have a conversation of how that kind of derailed the team. And so bringing those good things that we've done to the table, as well as the things we can improve, allow some transparency around the work and how we might work better as a team and then like as an individual. So it's kind of that built in feedback, like it's a chance to say, hey, that didn't really work well. And here's why. Or, hey, you know, Susie didn't help me with this. And so I really struggled. And so 
we need to set up some time next week to actually work through that and talk face to face on it or, or whatever. So, and that's the, that's sort of the sprint cycle. And like, and we're just going to keep sprinting our way until we get the learning done or the project pieces done. And I mean, it's, it's fairly straightforward, but I think it has to be, if it's going to be adopted and, and adapted to the classroom. It's awesome. I talked a lot. No, it, it, it's really great to get that perspective of how this works. Right. Cause that's the biggest thing trying to, I think people wrap their head around, well, how's this going to work? Or how is this like, you know, how is this like, you know, it's not just a simulated worksheet drill of answering some questions. I have students try to think through these things, but how is it like real, actual, you know, learned experience? And I think so, you know, listening to what you've shared, it, I think it gives a good taste to a business partner of what could you get out of a program like this? Why, why does it have value uh, in the education system? And I think for the education systems and school districts and stuff that aren't using this, or just a teacher that wants to figure out how they can maybe teach better, them getting some of those, uh, you know, just that overview you know, hopefully it helps them get more excited about, you know, maybe there's this opportunity here for me and maybe there's something more I could be doing to helping my students. So uh, thanks for walking us through. Uh, that <laughs> yes. We, you, you mentioned this earlier. I, I mentioned this at the outset as well. We actually, I know, talked about this uh, a few times over the years and I'm really, really excited to, to see you reach this milestone, but you have now written a book on authentic learning and classroom opportunities for educators to leverage, you know, agile classrooms. You call it the improvement game. It's, you know, what, a couple weeks from being released, maybe sooner. You know, can you give the folks listening just a little preview of what they might be able to expect from that book and why they're going to want to go get a copy of it? I think a lot of times we play school, like, like the game of school, like point chasing to get an A, and if you're not getting an A, then you're not good at the game of school. And so then those kids don't feel like, you know, they're good at school or they're maybe, then they start to, you know, not have any confidence in themselves. And so it's kind of just this holistic view of like, what could school be and how do we change the game? Like, how do we make it an, an improvement game to meet kids, you know, right where they're at with what dispositions they have, challenges that they have, superpowers that they have. And how do we help them leverage their strengths to finding their potential? And so it's really, I think it's about that. I try to give ways to operationalize that because like we all want that. We all want kids to find their potential. We all want 21st century skills. We Like there's not a teacher on this planet that would say they don't want that. Everyone wants that. And so how do we operationalize it? Like how do we, we say we want kids to develop metacognition. Well, how do you develop metacognition. Like, no, I've never sat down in a class for my pre-service teacher days of like, and this is how you develop metacognition. Like, how do you do that? And so I try to go through, you know, there's some templates in there. There's some protocols, there's some strategies to sort of get at those things of ultimately helping kids to be introspective, reflective, to help them grow, to help them navigate authentic learning experiences. So it's almost like a toolkit uh, for teachers to start implementing authentic learning, help them be more agile, get them started, kind of like a kickstart, if you will, for the work that we've just spent all this time talking about. So it's kind of like a, kind of like a playbook. There are some stories in there. What I really love most about it is that I tried to practice what I preach, and that's 
um, developing a network, connecting to experts. You're not the first person to walk this path. You, you know, there are other people that have gone through this and we can learn a lot from them. So throughout the book, you'll find contributors with their expertise in different areas of this work. And so you are one of them, everyone, just so you know, and there's some really good nuggets in there. I won't spoil it. Got to get the book to find out what it is, but there are expertise from all sorts of different industries and perspectives within the book. And so hopefully it makes, hopefully it makes it all come to life of like what this work is really about by being able to connect voices uh, to what it looks like, what it feels like and what impacts it can have for kids. But I will throw out, you know, I am 36 and I really didn't believe in my like own strengths and worth. And it wasn't until I started teaching kids about you know, authentic learning and introspection that I started thinking, hey, what about me? Like, I have never really thought about it this way. And so part of it is a journey for any learner to find their own potential and and really question, like, is what I'm doing right now, am I like living my strength? Have I stepped into my strength? And so I hope also as a byproduct, as teachers or, or whoever reads this, you know, people start to get introspective on their own value and their own worth and what they want to contribute to their communities, because I think it goes beyond school. This is for any learner that wants to improve, because we might not have had an improvement game in our own schooling, but you know, you're never, you're never too old to step into your own potential and your own greatness. Yeah, and I've seen a few of the, the previews that you've put out and kind of promoting the book here before it's released with the contributors that, that have been involved uh, in, in the book. And kind of some of the areas that they cover in expertise and just, you know, there's a few examples of some of the things that, you know, you, you talk about like the templates, right? You've got a couple of those up uh, on, on your website. And so, you know, to me that, that I've taken a look at those things. It's, it's really impressive. I think there's going to be a lot of great knowledge uh, that folks are going to be able to pick up and, and hopefully they've got some ways that they can bring something new to the classroom that might help them help their students and, and, and build more, a sense of community along the way. And so I, I, I'm, I'm excited to, to see the book. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, how my my content or my uh, ch- contributions along the way <laughs> is reflected in that. I know I've enjoyed uh, the opportunity to have been a part of the, the process uh, in some of those early stages. And I remember sitting down uh, in one case with the students and, you know, I have my framework for like, okay, I'm, I've got a new client and we've got a project. So how do we, what kinds of questions do we ask the client to define what that project looks like? And, you know, what do we, you know, how do we turn that into a set of kind of tasks? And then from tasks, how do we create some milestones and a schedule and then check-in periods, like all those kinds of things. And that was a really fun opportunity to just, just sit down with the students and give them some of that knowledge. And, it, and, and just, I mean, obviously every consultant out there is going to do it a little different. Uh, than, than, you know, maybe my process, but give them a, a starting point of what that process may look like. And I mean, it actually was super helpful for me because I had a lot of that in my head, but I had never actually written it down. And so to show up in the classroom yeah. and have, have written it down, uh, you know, be, yeah. as you were just talking a little bit ago, perspective of my own work, like, hey, is there something I'm missing here? Should I adapt more, uh, you know, more of this to be better for how we're doing the work that we're doing for our clients? So. I congratulate you on on 
uh, putting the book together and having that ready to go. I, I can't imagine the amount of work that, that goes into that, especially with the collaboration with all of the contributors. But it, it sounds like an absolutely amazing book. And I'm hoping uh, folks take the time to uh, pick it up. If, if they want to get the kind of preview stuff that you have and they want to be kind of following what's going on here, we're going to, I'll let everybody know, we'll put some links up when we post the video, okay. but if do you have a, a website, I know you're doing some of this, you've taken this, you're, you're, you're a consultant in trade of what you do for the AEA, but I know you're also doing some additional kind of consultative services on the side to help others, you know, in this, this, this process of, of seeing what this can do. Is there, is there somewhere folks can go to get a little more information on you, some of these projects and things that you've worked on as well as your book? I do have a website. It's uh, www.authenticlearningalliance.org. And so my information's there. There's a tab about the book. And actually, all my resources are up on the website now. You just have to navigate to that page, and there's a button for you to navigate you to those resources. And so I want people to use these. I want them to get out there and hopefully help people. And so hopefully if you find those, you find them useful. And because I'm so into the agile mindset, you know, feedback is welcome. I iterate on these things all the time. And so definitely looking for some two-way communication there. I do have a, I guess I do have kind of like a blog, if you will. I do a Substack, And so if you want to subscribe to that, there's a link there for that. Also on my website, I do some, I'm a certified agile classrooms trainer. And so if you do want more, if you're like, oh, I want to like get certified as a, a certified agile classroom teacher, you can learn more about that on the website. And then just some of the stuff that I do is also listed there. Just send me an email. Like, let's talk about it. I feel like it's a, it's a people endeavor. And so I want to know what your struggles or challenges are and how we might be able to design a solution towards that. So yeah, I would love to engage. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here on the podcast today. It's been amazing. Uh, having you. It's been amazing connecting again after a couple of years and just to see kind of how things have transitioned and our, our lives have changed. So it was awesome getting caught up uh, this morning before we started recording. But congratulations again on the book and its forthcoming release. Again, for those that are interested in more, we'll post links to connect you with Laura Williams and her Authentic Learning Alliance, as well as a link to the, the, the wait list uh, for the forthcoming book, which is The Improvement Game. Exploring Education Through Passion, Agility, and Authentic Learning Experiences. On a side note, you know, please don't forget us here at Permitted with Conditions. Uh, we have a Substack as well. Uh, please subscribe. Uh, new episodes of the Permitted with Conditions podcast, like what we've got here today, drops weekly, and it also shows up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We offer uh, a lot of free content to our subscribers. We do have some premium content for those that are paid subscribers. It gives them access to bonus episodes, important news and information, and much more. You can also uh, toss Toyer Strategic Advisors a follow on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram for additional content on zoning and economic development and all these other things like education that really play a major factor uh, in the success of economic development in communities and community building. So, Laura, thank you again for being here today. Thank you all so much for watching this extended episode. Like David said, make sure to subscribe and check out our previous and upcoming content. Hope to see you again next time here on Permitted with Conditions.